I am John Block, and joining me is one Jorge Deneve. Hey, everybody. And this is Jorge and John Talk About Soccer. Uh, we decided to do a little podcast with the World Cup coming up, kind of talking about it as it goes along, and this is our first episode as we preview the tournament for you. I, I am pretty excited for this World Cup. What about you, Jorge? I'm so lit. This is my favorite sports moment every four years. The World Cup comes on and like everyone else cares about the sport that I really like. And I can show them that like I kind of know this and tell them what's going on. And I, I it's, it's just great. I get to talk down to people. It's it's nice. I So you've obviously got Mexico to root for. The U.S. hasn't qualified. So I don't really have a team to root for. And I think that would make me less excited, but I'm pretty much just as excited as I would be otherwise. Yeah, you know, fair enough. U.S. qualifying has been harped on enough. I think it's just time everybody enjoy the soccer, and enough people watch the Premier League anyway that they'll still recognize players, so I don't think it's as big a deal if they'd fail to qualify in, say, 2010 or even 2014. Yeah, definitely not. Um, still not great, and still many problems with U.S. soccer, but we're talking about the World Cup, which means we're not talking about U.S. soccer. So let, let's dive right in. Uh, for this preview, we're just really going to go group by group to start uh, and then talk about some big picture questions at the end. But our, our first group is one Group A, consisting of Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay. Easiest group by a little or easiest group by a lot? Only by a little because there's a group down there with both Tunisia and Panama, but this one is probably going to be the least competitive. It's absolutely awful because Russia is, I'd argue, a, maybe the worst host country we've had since the U.S. in 94. I honestly think South Africa was a better team than Russia will be. Saudi Arabia is, I, I don't even know who's on that team. They're terrible. Egypt's going to come second in that group because they have maybe the most informed player in the world right now. And like, it's, it's just kind of a boring group to start with and a stinker of an opening match between Russia and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That maybe the, the match I'm looking forward to least all tournament and we get it first, I guess, you know, everything else will be better. So got that to look forward to. Um, as far as Russia goes, I mean, a whole mess of a country sporting wise, um, there's just a big ESPN report, like talking about all their corruption within FIFA. So I mean, obviously they bribed the 2018 World Cup. That's pretty, or bribed for the 2018 World Cup. That's been pretty established by now. Then there's the whole issue of you had all the Russian hooligans starting fights in Euro 2016 in France, and who knows if that'll continue. So I'd say probably this has been overlooked because of Qatar in 2022, but. You know, there are probably some concerns with Russia as a host country outside of their team not being very good. Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. I think I think Russia is much more in the limelight, so I think kind of people have just kind of looked at like, oh, okay, it's Russia. We kind of know it's a known quantity, and like I think everyone kind of knew it's going to be bad. And Qatar is like you're looking – they have slaves building their stadiums. Like that's terrible, but yeah, it's not going to be great. But, I mean, at this point, it is what it is. They're having it, so I mean, you just got to make the best of it at this point. As far as Russia, the, the team, the Russian soccer team goes, I do think just because, you know, they've got the home advantage and because Mo Salah might not be 100% fit, that they've got a chance uh, to come in second in the group, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be between Egypt and Russia, um, and it does depend on Mo Salah's fitness. But, I mean, Uruguay is going to win this group sleepwalking, I think, Egypt is lucky that they play Uruguay first when it 
like even with Mo Salah, they probably would have lost. So save a fitter Mo Salah for the, I guess, more important games, you could say. And then the only question I ask of Uruguay is what Suarez is going to do once they're into the round of 16. And like, is he going to bite someone again? Is he going to like get himself sent off for a handball? Like he's, he's playing two world cups and maybe been the most controversial figure in both of them. That's true. I will say since his move to Barcelona, it has seemed like he he's mellowed out a bit. You never know. You never know with Luis Suarez. I mean, he's, he's got a, a history and I think I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if he bit someone for, would that be the third or fourth time? Fourth. Fourth time. I would be a little bit surprised. I feel like you got to know at this point, but I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine how long that ban would be if he bit someone again. But even beyond Suarez, the Uruguay squad looks really good. I mean, they've got Godin and Jimenez at center back who, you know, both play for Atletico. I mean, I think the chemistry there helps too. I think, you know, not only are they excellent players, but they have experience playing with each other, and, and that's really beneficial the weakest part of, of Uruguay is probably the midfield, but they've got some good players there too. Yeah, I mean they're going to be they're good. They're they're a solid team that regularly qualifies out of probably the most difficult confederation to qualify from. So like props to them, and they're all they're always a threat once you get to this this tournament. I'm definitely high on, on Uruguay. I think I don't know how much it'll help them that they have an easy group. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it'll help them as far as getting out of it. But, I mean, they, they got out of probably the hardest group last World Cup. So I, I'm excited to see what they can do once they make it to the knockout stages. But let's move on to Group B. Got Portugal, Spain, Morocco, and Iran. Group A, weakest group. Group B, probably the most top two heavy group. You've got, you know, Spain who won the World Cup two World Cups ago and, and look like they're ready to, for, you know, their resurgence that they kind of started a bit. Uh, in the Euro 2016, uh, and then you've got Portugal, who won Euro 2016, uh, who are both heavy favorites to advance uh, ahead of Morocco and Iran. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's it's fairly straightforward. I think the key for Portugal is if that team can get service into the box for Ronaldo, because what he's 33, he's not the same player he was where he was creating all his chances. But if you put the ball in the 18 for him, he will score it. So if they find a way to do that consistently then they can contend um spain um they had their mistake in 2014 where it just kind of all fell apart so it'll be better morocco will be interesting i think they're gonna be a bit more competitive than everyone thinks they will be because they have hakim ziek who plays with ajax who i like he's very creative and then atraf hakimi who got some playing time when carvajal was uh down injured for real madrid at the start of the season but I don't really see them threatening Portugal or Spain seriously, not at least not yet. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think, I mean, just because of how good Portugal and Spain are, I do think Morocco have a talented squad. I mean, another guy is uh, Karim El Amadi, more of a veteran compared to the, those younger guys, um, but he's he's been excellent for a few years now uh, for Feyenoord. But yeah, I just don't think they've got enough talent. I, I do think they could steal a point from one of those two teams, though. It's just not both of them, and I, I think... You know, they, they could slip up more, like give up a few goals to one of the teams, you know, maybe have a draw against Iran if things don't go well. Um, it'll just be tough for them to, to make it out of, out of that group. But as far as Portugal goes, they're going to advance almost definitely. They've got Ronaldo. Um, they've got even some other talented attacking players with Andre Silva and Bernardo Silva, and then a pretty stacked midfield with, you know, Adrian Silva, João Mario, João Moutinho. 
a lot of really talented players. But one area that is kind of a concern is the defense. You know, they got they've got Pepe at center back. He's 35 now. Certainly not the player he was. You know, other guys back there, Jose Font, uh, who plays in China now, isn't really the same player. He's 34. They do have some more talented fullbacks in Rafael Guerrero and Cedric Suarez, but I, I do think there are some concerns at the back for them. I was very surprised when they got to the knockout stage of the Euros how compact they were in the back and how disciplined they were. I don't see that carrying over. I, I think once they get to the knockout stages and come up against better attacks, and we may see a preview of it against Spain, I worry that they're just going to be torn apart because they're just not all that strong in the back. And even two years past, I think they've just gotten older and slower and a little weaker. No Adair, the hero from Euro 2016, uh, left out of the squad. I think probably appropriately, but he's not around. Spain, so much depth on that squad. I mean, the players that got left off could, could be competitive in this tournament, at least up to a certain point. Um, but one thing I'm curious about is how much they're going to rely on sort of their veterans versus some of their younger guys, especially in midfield. You've got Iniesta coming back. He's 34, obviously not the same player he was. And I'm curious how much you play someone like him versus, you know, a younger guy like Marco Asensio. Obviously, they're different types of players. But what do you think Spain's going to do as far as leaning on veterans versus giving younger guys a chance? I mean, I think their back line obviously is set in stone. And I think Garbajal is the only one there that I'd consider young, although even at this point he's 26, that's not so young. I think the midfield, I think they're they're definitely going to rely on Busquets. I think Silva's going to get a lot of playing time. I think Iniesta will probably start. I think he's still played at a high enough level, but I think that when they need a spark, when they need something to come from that, I think Asensio's a good guy to bring on. I think Koke's good to bring on. I think Isco's good to bring on. So they have a lot of options depending on who they play and what kind of player they need. So I, I am curious to see who they play in the midfield and also how Diego Costa fits in to the way they play because he didn't fit in 2014, where I think is a better chance of that now. Yeah, I agree. It's crazy how, you know, Thiago at Bayern, you know, we didn't even mention him, and he's being rumored for like a 50 million plus Lucas Digne transfer to Barcelona. And he's like, oh, he's like the seventh choice in the in the Spain midfield. Yeah, I mean, they have a wealth of riches, and I, I think it just depends how they want to play and who they put on. And then I would say the, the least exciting group in this, or the least exciting team in this group, but let, let's give them a mention, uh, especially for their zero goal performance. Last World Cup is Iran. I mean, They've got a pretty tough draw. I would be pretty shocked if they made any waves. Yeah, they're happy to be here. I think this this is their right now. They qualified. I think if they can consistently qualify them, they can start thinking maybe bigger and better things. But I think qualifying for two World Cups in a row, it's a good baseline for them. Let's move on to Group C. Uh, we've got France, Australia, Peru, Denmark. France, the obvious favorite in this group, made it to the finals in the Euros, have a really exciting and young squad. And then after that, Australia, Peru, Denmark, a lot of unproven teams. None of them have had huge you know, international success. Obviously, Australia, um, being in, in a weaker confederation, has some in their confederation. But you know, who, who do you like of the other three non-France teams before we get to France? I, I like Denmark. I think having a player like Christian Eriksen being you know, the number one choice for Tottenham, I'd argue Tottenham's best player. I think that's a huge, huge difference because he can create so much on his own. And I think he just kind of lifts everyone else around that team. 
And I also think they have the best goalkeeper of those three with Casper Schmeichel. So I think those two pieces elevate Denmark above the other two. I agree. I think even even beyond those two, um, Denmark have a, a surprisingly deep squad for what you'd expect. Um, you know, they've got guys like Simon Kiar and Andreas Christensen at center back. They have some exciting young players who are attackers. You know, Casper Dolberg, uh, Pione Sisto. Um, so I think they're probably of, of teams people maybe aren't expecting as much. They're the team I'd pick to to maybe make it even not only out of their group, but you know maybe win around a sixteen game as well. Mm-hmm. Depending on the draw, uh, they definitely can. I mean, they're they're dangerous, and the Danes are always disciplined. They're well coached, and I think this is probably the most talented Denmark squad we've seen in a while. So I think they've got a good chance. I honestly know nothing about Peru, though. So this is my little caveat: they still qualified out of South America, and. I don't think you can be all that surprised if a South American team exceeds the expectations. So, I mean, that's the one caveat. If Denmark has a bad game on the day, then Peru can take advantage of it. But I, I still would take Denmark. Yeah, I mean, they've got they're, they're recognizable guys um, are kind of older now. I mean, Jefferson Farfan, who who scored the goal to, to qualify them actually, and Paulo Guerrero. But yeah, they they I don't know a ton about them either. But like you said, if you qualify out of Common Bowl, you you definitely got a chance. Australia, I, I don't think they can make it out of the group just because I don't see enough attacking uh, for them. But their midfield looks surprisingly good to me. They've got Aaron Moy, uh, who's their star from Huddersfield. And then uh, Massimo Luongo hasn't quite lived up to his potential. He's 25 now. Uh, he plays a QPR, um, but still a solid player. Uh, Tom Rogic for Celtic. And then Mila Jednak, who... 33 now definitely does not have his legs but he scored a hat trick to to qualify australia for the world cup so i think he can still make a difference yeah i i think it's a shame that they are in this group i think they're being overlooked because the group is is not difficult per se but it's also not completely soft so people aren't complaining about it i think also think australia is a team that is better than everyone thinks they are until they see them play I think they just kind of get unlucky with the teams they catch and when they're peaking. Because, I mean, last World Cup, they got the Dutch and Chile in their group. So that that was tough for them as well. But I I think that they'll be competitive, but I don't think they're going to move on. Yeah, I agree. And uh, someone who who scored a pretty amazing goal in that group, uh, Tim Cahill, is back, uh, uh, 38 years old. He really seems like he's still the, the biggest attacking threat on that team, which is not a very good look for Australia. Um, they've got like a, you know a number of failed wingers who and, and strikers who you know are trying out in the Bundesliga like Matthew Leckie or Jamie McLaren, but haven't really found a lot of success uh, once they left Australia. Um, but you know, good good to see Tim Cahill still hanging around. He was he was I feel like he was a veteran when I first started paying attention to soccer. Who knows how long ago? So it, it's he's been a veteran forever. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I I thought he retired. I, I'm amazed. He he's plays for Millwall. Uh, pretty amazing that he's still around. Uh, and let's let's touch on France. Again, obviously the favorites in this group. Uh, finalists from the Euros two years ago. How, how good is this team really, though? Are they a team that's, you know, just your run-of-the-mill European powerhouse, or can they really make a deep run in this tournament? I think they're run-of-the-mill. I think that they have a lot of good pieces, but I'm not really sure that DDA Deschamps completely knows how to put them together and to get them to perform. 
Um, because in March in the friendlies, they played Colombia. They gave up a two goal lead at home and ended up losing three, two. So I think mentally this team is not quite ready. And I don't think they have enough players with a lot of experience that are going to carry them through. Cause the only one I can really point at for me is maybe blaze Matweedy is kind of having the wise head on their shoulders and kind of knowing how to, how to work a game when things aren't going well. So when this team plays, they're going to be flying all over the place. They're going to be probably the most fun to watch, but when it's not going for them, I think this team has a tendency to get frustrated and try and force things. Yeah. I think, you know, their, their captain is Hugo Reese, which, you know, it's a bit unusual for a goalie to be captain. And I think that does kind of speak to, they don't exactly, they are a, a young and exciting team, but they don't necessarily have the experience maybe. To, to get far. Do you still think they're going to win the group though? I think they're going to win the group. I think I had them, I think back in November I had them in the semifinal. I can't double check that because the, the voice website's down, but it's, it's there. I think I had them going far, but I, I think once the going gets tough and they have to scrap against the team at their level, I don't think they're going to do it. I, I think I probably agree, but let's move on to group D Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Obviously, Argentina and Nigeria are in the same group. That's a given in any World Cup. But I, I'm really excited for this group. I think there's a lot to look forward to in, the, in these games. What are, what are you looking forward to, Jorge? I just want to watch Messi. I mean, he, he put the Argentina team on his back in 2014. And looking at their squad, he needs to do it again. And honestly, I don't... If he... I almost see this Messi's role in this World Cup almost like what LeBron is doing right now with the Cavs. I think if he can get this team to a semifinal, that's an incredible achievement just because of the amount of struggles they had in qualifying, the way the squad is looking, the way that a lot of the players that were their core in 2014 are older, and honestly, that all the the stars on this team somehow just don't mesh when they play with Argentina. And Messi just ha- Messi's going to have to put the team on his back and and make something of it. Yeah, I mean, looking through the squad, it really doesn't seem like they've got a lot of talented players, but it really doesn't seem like they're as good as you'd expect. I mean, looking at the back, you know, they've got guys like you know Oda Mendy or Federico Fazio at center back, who you know are, are established players, but you know not the kind of, of you know, world-class center backs you'd see with, like, you know, Rafael Varane at, at France or, you know, Ramos and Piquet with Spain. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a class below. And they definitely are, seem to, like, have a lot of the same players as, you know, from four years ago. You look at their midfield, you know, they've got Ever Benega, Lucas Belia, who, you know, talented players, but, you know, are, are four years older than they were, and it doesn't really seem like they've got a ton of, of younger talent Replacing them, I would say maybe the one guy is Paolo Dybala, who who I would expect you know to help out Messi in the attack some. Yeah, but weirdly he hasn't played that much. I don't think I, I think in a friendly they started Iwain, Di Maria, Messi, and the midfield I think was they started Lo Celso. I'll give a shout out to Lo Celso who has been good for PSG. But I, oh, fair. I I've I'm not sure how they're gonna play. And I'm not sure how much of a force they really are unless Messi does magical things. And they're, they're just not as good. There's not the buzz that they had four years ago. Yeah, I I would say they're still probably favorites in this group just because they do have Messi. Um, but 
I would say certainly I'd be surprised if they did as well as they did four years ago. Yeah, I agree. But as far as the other three teams, I really could see any of them qualifying. I guess let's start with Iceland. Their country of like, I don't know, 300,000 people or something like that had an incredible Euro 2016. I mean, every I was you know rooting for them. I'm sure many, many people were. Do you think they can do it again? I think what helped them with Euro 2016 is it was a 2014 tournament where 16 teams moved on. So you didn't necessarily have to be proactive and win every game. I think they, I think they drew every game and got out of their group. But if they can sneak a goal in against Nigeria or Croatia, I think they are organized enough in the back that they can hold it down. I think if Gilfie Sigurdsson is at full fitness, they have a dangerous creative player. This is a better team than I think anyone gives them credit for. And I think that anyone realizes just because like last we in Euro in the Euros, they were just like the Cinderella story. And I don't think anyone actually paid attention to how well coached and talented they actually are. Yeah. I mean, obviously Sigurdsson is, is their star player. And I mean, that'll be a big issue. He hurt his knee in March and, you know, I would say he's, I would be surprised if he were a hundred percent, but you know, as long as he, he's somewhere close to that, I think Iceland you know, would should be able to to get out of their group if they they play well. Um, but you know, Finn Bogason, striker for Augsburg, he, he's a talented player. Uh, they have you know a, a number of other good guys too. Uh, Magnuson at the back for he plays for Bristol City. Uh, Gunnarsson, who who's solid for Cardiff City, who got promoted to the Premier League this season. Um, so they they've got some good players, and I think they're they're less of a of a miracle to make it out of the group than than people might think. And then Croatia. Maybe a team that, you know, for how many talented players they have, you know, underperform some, I might say. Obviously, their midfield, they've got Luka Modric, Luka Modric Rakitic, you know, Brozovic, Perisic on the wing, Kovacic, if people figure out, you know, what he can actually do. But despite that, it seems like they haven't quite been as successful as maybe they should be. No, I agree with that. I think... On paper, you'd expect this team to do a lot better. I think, one, they'll need to be clinical. Two, one of the biggest problems I see with them is that they're very indisciplined. And their best, def- I mean, one of their best defenders is Dejan Lovren. And that's not a recipe for success for anybody. Certainly not. I'm sure our, our Liverpool fan friends have, have had many a heart attack uh, because of Lovren. And then Nigeria. Obviously, in the same group as Argentina, like always, they've got some talented players, uh, especially in attack. They've got Ihea Nacho, who hasn't been maybe as you know, exciting as his early promise, you know, showed, but I think is still a talented player. They've got Victor Moses, who I would expect to to play further up uh, than he does for Chelsea, uh, and then Alex Awobi, who you know, look, he looked pretty good, scored a goal in a recent friendly against England. I would expect him to to do well for them as well. Yeah, I. I think Nigeria is good. I think a lot of their chances, I think their chances are going to come down to how well Wilfred and Didi plays in the midfield because he's been great for Leicester. But I mean, when you look at John Obi Mikel, I think he plays farther forward for Nigeria than he would than he used to with Chelsea, and I have no idea where he's playing in China. But I think if Ndidi can play solid in the middle of the field, they have a chance to get out of this group. Because they definitely have enough up front to, I mean, 
maybe score just by brute force, just by essentially knocking down the door. But it's it's a wild card because a lot of things have to go right for them, and just one small thing can go wrong, and I don't recognize any of the names in the back. So if that back four gets exposed, they're done. Yeah. I will say my biggest cause for, for rooting for Nigeria to, to advance is just their kit looks really nice. It's so great. Nigeria always has good kits. But let's, let's go to Group E now. We've got Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. I would say, again, this is, this is a group where you've got a, a favorite in Brazil and then sort of three teams who could you know, realistically qualify. I would probably put my money on, on Switzerland. Um, they seem to really perform at their level of kind of mid-tier European team that like will finish second in the group and lose in the round of 16. So I would expect that of them again. Second in this group, I think it's open. I, think, I don't think Serbia gets there because uh, their best players are Ivanovic and Kolarov and they're old and in the back. I don't see Serbia scoring a lot. So I don't see them scoring enough to get there. I think Switzerland is boring. They're just kind of your run-of-the-mill team. I think they're probably the safer bet to take second. But I think Costa Rica, if they manage to you know, sneak a goal, maybe a little pace with Joel Campbell, they kind of get the spirit from 2014, they might have the best goalkeeper in this group and uh, probably one of the top five in the world. So that could be the X factor if, they, if they're competitive Kaylor Navas, I think, bumps them up, but they they have to be able to show the same spirit in 2014, which is a very big if. Yeah, I I think given the group, I think Costa Rica have a shot to make it. I'm kind of low on them. I just I say credit to them. They've definitely established themselves over this past kind of four years and probably for the next couple at least as the number two team in Concacaf ahead of the U.S. Um, yeah. Just like consistently being better. I really don't think there's enough there. I, I don't think Joel Campbell's really got it. I just a lot of their players are, are pretty up there in age. You know, you look at people like Bolaños, Brian Ruiz, um, pretty old now. I just don't think they've got enough offensive firepower. Um, they'll be organized at the back, but I just think against you know Switzerland, they're boring, but they've got some talented attacking players. Brazil, obviously, um, top to bottom, I'm a pretty solid team. I just don't see them doing enough to make it out of the group. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Brazil a little bit because I honestly think they were the team that you could probably choose their 11 back in December. And you kind like the only change you might have made is probably Allison in for Ederson. Because I think Ederson had a great first half of the year. And But I, now Danny Elvis is hurt at right back and Neymar comes back, whatever. But who plays right back now? I mean, I, I figure it's got to be Danilo. That's really the the most established guy that they have there. He obviously has has not been the signing that he was expected to be since going to Manchester City, but he he's had success in his career. I feel like they're going to go with with Danilo, um, and I think that's clearly a step down from Danny Alves. But I I don't know that I'm wor- as worried as some people might be. I think he can slot in and and do. A good enough of a job, you know, next to you know Thiago Silva, who's who is good enough to to make up for, you know, any any mistakes that Danilo might make. Yeah, for sure. And I I think this team is in a better shape than they were four years ago, because four years ago 
that was Neymar's team. He did everything. And I think you kind of saw once he went down, they capitulated against Germany. But, I mean, now if Neymar goes down, you have Douglas Costa, Gabriel Jesus, Firmino, Willian, Coutinho's back there. I th- This is not a team that will be lost in the wind if Neymar goes down. I think they, they can probably survive an injury to anyone minus another right back since they already lost Danny Alves. But they might be the most complete team in this tournament. And I think it's a big statement to say, cause I know the Germans are there, but that's what I think. Yeah, no, I mean, they're certainly up there. I think a lot of people are pretty high on Brazil and for good reason, obviously last world cup, they were a good team four years ago. They made it to the semifinal and, you know, Neymar got hurt and obviously that hurt them. And I think just because of that seven, one game against Brazil, people think, Oh, it, they, they were horrible. And I just, I don't think that's the case. Even even without Neymar, I think they you know that really took the spirit out of them more than the talent out of them at the time. And I think they're even better than they were. And so I, I would they definitely are. Yeah. So I would say I they looked so bad four years ago because they started Fred up front. That yes, that was not a good. Their their squad selection was questionable. I would say have, even having Dante in as much as they played him, clearly he got very exposed against Germany. Not in the squad. Uh, this World Cup probably for the best. Yeah, they're in good shape. I don't think anyone's worried about them. I think they're almost certain semifinalists at the very least. I I would put my money on them getting that far as well. Group F: Germany, uh, the aforementioned, along with Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Let's start. Let's start with Germany. A- another like Brazil, incredibly complete squad. I would say their are one weakness, not that they don't have anyone there, but the one position where I would say, oh, maybe they don't have, maybe this will come back to haunt them, is left back. They have Jonas Hector, who, who's been pretty consistently starting for them since after the last World Cup, who, you know, he, his team got relegated this season. He, he's kind of thought of as, oh, just solid, not going to make any flashes. But something, you know, I remember from last World Cup is, they didn't really have fullbacks. They eventually moved Philip Lom to right back. I don't know why it took uh, Yuri Love so long to do that. But throughout the knockout stages, they really had a lot of trouble with, with just teams playing long balls over the top. And their defense was, was worse than I think people realize. And I'm curious, you know, having a guy like Jonas Hector in there, might that be a concern again? I mean, maybe he... He outperforms his talent with the national team. So I think that's the one thing he's got going for him. But as far as long balls over the top are concerned, Neuer appears to be back and completely healthy and starting. And I think just his instincts gives them so much more security with the long balls over the top. And then once you're past the back line, which is kind of set in stone at this point, you're so good and you're going to have the ball for so much that it's not like there's going to be a lot of running at Jonas Hector anyway. That's fair. I mean, I their midfield has got to be the deepest uh, of any team in the tournament. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe it'll be Kadira, Cruz, you know, kind of a two-man midfield. And then I don't even know who you'd play as the attacking midfielders. You've got Ozil. Marco Royce has been in, in really good form to end the season since he came back from injury. You've got Draxler. You've got Gundogan. There's just so many players in there who are so talented. 
Definitely. I mean, the one, the one thing, and maybe it's just how Lowe wants to play, but I, I don't get why Sané is not in the squad. And I think if they go out at the end of towards the end of the tournament because they didn't have that spark, that little burst of pace and the creativity that Sané provides, I think that's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, he got left out for Julian Brandt, who I just I can't really think of anything Brandt offers the team that Sané doesn't in in like a better way, you know? Exactly. I that was that was the one surprise for me, and I think my one question for them when I was you know looking at these squads in November is who's going to play up front, and Timo Werner's good because I I see Müller playing more on the right for Germany, but Timo Werner is is there. Like they they have a striker now. I I can't really see. I mean, you already mentioned left back, but other than that, I think they have solid players anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Germany won the World Cup, you know, last World Cup without really. You know, they had Miroslav Klose, who you know was was ancient at the time, and they had you know Mario Götze, who's not really a striker and, and clearly has never really been that successful. You know, since then, so I would say. They're a team that works around not having a true striker, and now that they do have a pretty solid choice in Timo Werner, that they'll be even more dangerous up front. Definitely. Let's let's go Mexico. You know a whole lot more about the Mexican squad than I do, so I'm just going to let you take it away here. They're probably the the number two in this group. I would say what what do they have going for them? What are their concerns? One of my concerns is that they're they're thin in the back. They only brought. Six defenders, although for whatever reason, Rafa Marquez is listed as a midfielder, but I wouldn't play him at center back anymore anyway. But I think they can they can be good, but I think what Osorio does is he likes to tinker, and I think he tinkers too much, especially for a tournament. And also, I think he's, he's always wavered between Corona and Ochoa and goal, and I think they don't really know who's going to start until they get there. I think Ochoa has gotten the edge in big tournaments, but I honestly don't know who he's going to play. I think they have a very, very good starting 11, but I think they brought one too many attackers. I would have left Javier Aquino out and brought another defender because that's just my worry that they're going to be too thin in the back and someone gets tired and they get burned in the round of 16. But I, I think as far as the squad goes, it's, it's one of the more solid squads I've seen for Mexico for a while. Yeah, I mean, I looking through it, They've obviously got some, you know, Rafa Marquez is back, can tie the record if he plays for fifth World Cup. Um, but then they've got, you know, Chucky Lozano, who has really so far lived up to expectations um, and been been really good. So, I mean, definitely an exciting team to watch and one I'm looking forward to watching. He's great. They'll be fun going forward. I mean, with all the attackers they brought, they're, they're going to score goals and they're going to try to score goals. They're just going to be open at the back. But you, you brought up, you know, maybe some questionable squad selection as far as Mexico not bringing enough defenders. One obvious squad selection point of intrigue is with Sweden, who left out by far their most famous player in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But he, he wasn't part of the team for qualifying. So, I, I mean, obviously the name recognition, great for non-Swedish fans to kind of pay attention to the team. But I would say not choosing him for the squad is, is fair enough. Yeah, it makes sense. It's fine. He's he's had his chance at the World Cup. I think that he was very much 
comfortable saying, I'm done with Sweden. I'm going to retire. I'm, I don't need to play. And then all of a sudden they get to the world cup and he's like, Oh, you want to bring me? Cause I am Zlatan. I'm, and he's just not at the same level he once was. He, I think if he doesn't tear his Achilles, not as it wasn't his Achilles. It was his ACL. I think if he doesn't do that, he, he comes, but he, he got injured and now he's playing at a lower level in MLS and hasn't lived up to what I would, would have expected him to do. So I'm fine with him being left out. Yeah, I mean, outside of Zlatan, not a ton of super recognizable names. I mean, you've got at the back a guy like Victor Lindelof, who who made a big move to Manchester United, but then really didn't play much. Um, and then, you know, maybe lower-level players like Pontus Janssen, who plays for Leeds, who's kind of, you know, been with the squad a bit, but but not doesn't have, you know, huge name recognition. I would say probably they're... Bigger players are, you know, someone like Emil Forsberg, who has done well with RB Leipzig. John Guidetti has kind of had some recognition. He scored, um, he scored some big goals for Sweden in the past, or for for his club in the past. I think he scored a big one for the U twenty ones, maybe to get them to the under twenty one Euro final. It was a while ago, so hard to remember. But he he's another guy who could make some waves for the squad. But, I mean, I just think I don't really see enough here. Maybe it's just my lack of personal lack of name recognition. I just don't really see enough here for them to challenge Mexico for, for the number two squad, number two spot in the group. Yeah, I, I see Sweden just kind of as a team that's there. Like, you got to make sure you're on the ball. But I, realistically, I don't think they're going to get there. And I, I think it's the same with South Korea. Outside of uh, Son Heung-min, who is really, really good, I mean, South Korea is another one of those teams that, I mean, plays well, tries to play pretty, but just aren't that good. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see enough talent in that squad either outside of Sun. Um, I mean, like, you know, one of their main guys is, you know, Park Juho, who, you know, played a bit for Mines and then moved to Dortmund when Thomas Tuchel took over there, but basically never played for them uh, and is now back playing in South Korea. So just when when those are like the, your bigger guys on the team, it, it's tough to to really make a difference. Push out teams who clearly have a lot of star power, like Brazil or Mexico. But now let's let's move on to Group G. Uh, we've got Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. This is an interesting group to me because I think you you've got again two pretty clear favorites to advance in Belgium and England. But these are all also two of like the biggest underperforming teams on the international stage. Both of them have you know a pretty talented squads and really haven't been able to do much with them. Yeah, Roberto Martinez is take has taken over Belgium and he's he's trying a lot of things. And in the recent friendlies, they've been playing three at the back with Alderweireld, Company, and Vertonghen, which lets them put a lot of their attacking talent on the field, but. He's played Carrasco at left wing back. So I really don't know what Belgium's going to do and if they're going to do it well because three at the back, especially when your fullbacks are not very good defensively, because on the other side it's Thomas Mounier, who I don't think is that great defensively, it's it's going to be hit or miss. And when it misses, it's going to miss badly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's... The, the lack of, of solid fullbacks has definitely hurt. In the past, you know, they've played center backs as fullbacks. You know, Vertonghen ha, has been a left back for Belgium, you know, at least I think probably maybe even more than he's played at center back. Um, you know, company has fitness issues, so, you know, who knows if he'll be able to hold up 
um, if Belgium is able to make it further. But it's it's a shame that it seems inevitable that that they have this fatal flaw because their midfield and attackers are just up there with anybody. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, one of the most you know best creative midfielders in the world. You've got guys like Aiden Hazard. Mishi Bachuai ha- has been really impressive uh, at loan uh, with Dortmund. So I think they'll be an exciting team to watch. And, you know, hopefully that is able to get us a, f- a few extra games with them. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll advance. They have a weak enough group. Especially because the other, quote-unquote, powerhouse in there is an English team that is not going to play their creative players enough. Rashford is going to sit on the bench because that's what England does. They take their talented players and then don't play them. And they always disappoint. Uh, I I don't understand England, and I never understand what England does. Alexander Arnold's not going to play enough either, unless he plays in the midfield because they have Kyle Walker to play right back. It's it's going to be disappointing seeing all the English talent that is maybe at the level of talent they had in two thousand six just wasted. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the one concern with that squad for me is it doesn't seem like they've got a lot as far as like a, a, you know box-to-box midfielders. They've got Eric Dyer, who's more of a defensive midfielder, who's definitely a talented player. But really, as far as guys who can kind of play on both ends, all they really have is Jordan Henderson. And, you know, I have never rated him that highly. You know, and I don't know that by himself he's going to be able to create enough for midfield. Um, I think it'll be a lot of, you know, hoping that, you know, Harry Kane can do something or, you know, someone like Deli Ali or Raheem Sterling. And I think between that, you know, and the the fact that England always seem to, you know, make, you know, horrible mistakes. Just because they're in the group they're in, I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't advance for the second year in a row out of the group stages. Um, but I, I agree that I think there's some talent that's going to go to waste. Yeah, they disappoint, but they can't disappoint that much. Because Panama and Tunisia just aren't at that level. It's plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, I mean Panama... By the skin of their teeth, qualified out of you know maybe the easiest confederation to qualify from, but they plus for Panama as as Americans making this podcast uh, a good amount of MLS representation. You've got a thirty seven year old Blas Perez who doesn't play in MLS anymore. You've got someone like Roman Torres on the Sounders. So I guess for big MLS fans, they'll have a team to root for in Panama. Um, but I would say that's probably all the team has going for them. I just don't see them being able to do much of anything against clearly more talented squads. Oh, yeah, definitely. Without the U.S. in the World Cup, MLS has no representation really outside of Panama. So they need them to be at the very least competitive, but it's it's not going to be great. But yeah, England and Belgium are through. I can see them both losing in the round of 16, honestly. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Tunisia, pretty similar situation to Panama. Not you know a ton of, of star players on their squad. Um, you know they've got Johan Benalane for Leicester, um, who's been all right for them, but really not a ton of name recognition. No MLS players, as far as I know. So I, I'd again be surprised if they're able to do much of anything. Uh, they have Wabi Kadri, who wasn't good enough for Sunderland, who got relegated from the championship. So that's that's where Tunisia is. Uh, and then our, our final group, maybe the most competitive of any group, uh, Group H, we have Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Who do you have winning this group? Colombia. 
they're, I think they have enough creativity and enough, enough talent to, you know, play the ball around. I think James Rodriguez is far and away the best player in this group. I think Davinson Sanchez is very calm with the ball at his feet. And I think they have a clinical enough striker with Radamel Falcao. And I haven't even mentioned Juan Cuadrado. I think they're going to win the group unless Espina does something really stupid to throw it away, which is actually a high possibility. The craziest thing to me about this Colombia squad is Carlos Sanchez. Plays for Espanyol now, uh, played for Fiorentina for a bit, and before that he was uh, with Aston Villa uh, in the Premier League. Uh, then once they got relegated, he, he left. But I'm an Aston Villa fan. Carlos Sanchez was terrible for Aston Villa. So bad. I cannot describe. And he's, he's La Roca for Colombia. Like He's shut down Neymar out of games like multiple times. And I don't, for the life of me, understand how you can have like incredible Colombia, Carlos Sanchez, and just god-awful Aston Villa, Carlos Sanchez, who I watched for like two years. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think Senegal's going to turn heads in this group. I think they're insanely talented up front and insanely fast. I think their midfield with... Um, Gay and Dai and Kuyate is going to be very hard. They're going to be very physical. They're going to push people off the ball. And I honestly think they're going to get out of the group. I think they're going second. And I think Poland, who made a mockery of the FIFA rankings, uh, do not have a good enough Robert Lewandowski to get out of the group this year. Yeah, I mean, I would say... That's pretty fair. I mean, Senegal is a really talented squad. You know, even, you know, they clearly have a, a ton of really good attacking players. Um, but, you know, they've got, you know, someone like Koulibaly at the back. You know, he's been really solid for Napoli. And I would say, you know, they're probably not as good a defensive team as others. But that's not, you know, it's not like they've only got attacking players. They'll, they'll be solid enough in the back, too. Uh, with Poland, I mean, they've still they're still kind of relying on the the same kind of players. You know, they've still got Paolo Krasinski in the squad. You know, they've still got Blaszczykowski. They still have Lucas Piszczek. You know, a lot of players who who are, are still you know good enough, but are getting older. Um, someone like Kamil Glick as well, who's thirty now. And I really do think that they they rely probably too much on Lewandowski. Um, I think people are maybe a little lower on him than they should be. I think he's still an incredibly talented player, and I think they'll, he'll still have a, a pretty good World Cup. But I, I, would, be, I would not be surprised if, if Senegal is able to advance instead of them. Uh, and then we have Japan, probably the, the you know, lower team in this group. They really don't have a ton of talent relative to the other teams. Um, you know, some of their bigger players, you know, Maya Yoshida at the back for Southampton, who you know, they've struggled... Um, so you can't really say a lot for that. They're, they're big players, probably Shinji Kagawa, who is good, but not good enough to, to carry the team past the, past the group, probably. I don't see goals coming from this team. Okazaki is maybe their best striker, and he's not a goal scorer for Leicester. He's very much, he just kind of worked hard off the ball. Yeah, I mean, they've got some surpri- like players in surprisingly good leagues. You know, they've got Yoshinori Muto, who plays for Mines in France. 
uh, Takashi Inui, who plays in Spain, um, but really no prolific scorers. I mean, the, I would say their, their biggest prolific scorer is Keisuke Honda, who, who's called up again. He's still around. He, he's been doing pretty well in Mexico, but, I mean, clearly was struggling in Europe when he left. And so I would, I'd be surprised if he can, you know, score goals against the likes of, of you know, the high-quality defenders he's going to be facing in this group. Let's, let's move on to some, some bigger discussion points. Uh, I know this is uh, something that's bothered you, but with the new seeding system for the World Cup and the way the groups are chosen, uh, it's, it's, there's more seeding, and so there's no group of death. Uh, really, every group seems to have either you know, one clear favorite, no clear favorite, as, but like all the teams are sort of middling, or you know, two teams that are obviously going to qualify. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's... It's just kind of taking a lot of the intrigue out of predicting the groups because there, there's not, it's not hard. There's two teams that are kind of there or one team that's a cut above the rest. And we're just kind of like figuring out, okay, which of these teams is going to make second. It's, it's less exciting and it gives us games like Russia, Saudi Arabia that are stinkers. Um, so that's that. Um, next one. Fox has the broadcast in English, not ESPN anymore. So, I mean, is this good? Is this bad? I, I don't know. I, for one, am going to miss uh, Bob Lee's coverage. Uh, I thought he was really good. Obviously, he didn't call the games, but he was, he was, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, a game would be over and you'd go back to the studio with Bob Lee. I thought he did a really good job. Uh, fun fact, actually, Bob Lee's last name is supposed to be pronounced Lay, and for a reason I don't know, he chooses to have it pronounced Lee. I don't know why, but his, his sister worked at my high school, or his sister-in-law, rather. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think ESPN's pundits are better than Fox's. Um, the one holdover that they poached from ESPN was Alexi Lalas, who was maybe the last one I would have chosen. <laughs> yep. Also, Ian Dark is just the goat, so I'm watching in Spanish. I'm not bothering with this English stuff. Who's, who's the biggest surprise coming in forward? Who do you think is going to stand out? Team-wise, I know we discussed this a little bit, but I, I'm really high on Denmark. I could see them you know, making it past the round of 16. They just have a lot of, lot of talent in their squad. Even as a player, I know, I know people think that already think Christian Eriksen is a really talented player, but I could see him having a tournament similar to what James Rodriguez had four years ago, where you know he had already made a move to Monaco. He was already a pretty well-known commodity if you, you know, followed soccer closely. But I think Christian Eriksen is a guy who, you know, all the casual fans who are watching the World Cup kind of see how good he is, and, and he kind of elevates to a, another level of, of stardom. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on both counts there. I, I think it's going to be because of Eriksen that Denmark is the biggest surprise, and simply because he plays on a team that hasn't been competitive in the Premier League until the last two years, and people are focusing so much on Harry Kane and Deli Alley that Erickson gets kind of lost in the mix, even though I think he's their best player. How about, uh, how about biggest disappointment? I think it's either going to be Belgium or Argentina. I'm going to say Belgium because the last two major tournaments they've had, they've had excuses. You could say that in the, in Brazil, it was their first cup in a while. They weren't experienced. I think in the Euros, they went down to the Cinderella story Wales. I think here they don't really have excuses, and I think they're going to underperform. I'd say Argentina simply because I think a lot of people are expecting Messi to put the team on his shoulders, 
And even if, even though he does do that, I think he's, his team just isn't strong enough to give him that little extra push he needs. I would, uh, I would say France probably only because I think with Argentina, when you have Messi, it's very their squad's not that good, and it's very possible that they don't. I I would be surprised if they made it to the final again. I don't think they will. But when you have Messi, anything's possible. Belgium, we were already we started talking about them as a disappointment, which kind of lessens the impact of the disappointment if they actually don't do well. With France, I think enough people are really high on France, and enough people think they can go really far that when they don't, which I don't think they will, it'll be more of a disappointment. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think France is the other one that's kind of out there. I just think that too many people are high on Belgium because they're kind of like new and cool, and I think that's why people are going to be more disappointed this time. Um, So VAR, this is the first tournament where VAR is going to be used. It's kind of a surprise that people did this this quickly, given that they were so slow with goal line technology. But what do you think it's gonna? What do you think the impact's gonna be? I would not be surprised if there were something very controversial that comes out of it, just because of how high stakes you know the World Cup is. I think it, it's the right move. I think you know VAR. You know, I mean, the the way I've seen it the most is in MLS, uh, where they use it a good amount. And it can slow down the game a bit. I think I wouldn't be surprised if if FIFA has you know has given some instruction to referees to you know not try to take too much time just because of, you know how how high profile a World Cup is and that would probably be a bad look. But I think it's good. I think there will be something very controversial that comes out of it, and some team is going to come away from the introduction of VAR very unhappy about it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's obviously going to take. It's going to get some flack from disallowing a goal. But I think so long as VAR does not get something egregiously wrong, it's a win. Because it kind of shows, all right, FIFA is willing to use technology, and it worked. So I think FIFA comes out glowing from this. Your pick. My pick. Who, who's going to win the World Cup? Ooh. I, I've got Spain. I just think it's really hard to repeat. We haven't seen a, a country repeat um, since Italy, maybe? Who knows? Might have been Brazil in the 60s. Maybe. I think Brazil might have. Did Italy? Oh, I know Italy was before that when they repeated. Yeah, I think that was it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to do. I would say, you know, Germany's going to be in the mix. I just think they're, they, I don't really see them repeating. I think Brazil will be in the mix, but I just think Spain has such a good combination of, of you know, veterans. And, and young talent, and just their squad is so talented top to bottom, and I think they've kind of gotten the, the rust out of their system with, you know, a really disappointing 2014 and, you know, not as good Euros as they'd hoped two years ago that I think they'll, they'll come out of the gates really strong and looking to make some noise. Yeah. I took Brazil in November. I'm going to stick to my guns now. I'm going to stay with Brazil. Why, why do you have them winning? What's your, what's your reasoning? I, I think... 2014, they were good, and I think they kind of understand, all right, this is the level we have to be at, because I think it was a lot of players that were playing at their first tournament. I think Neymar is a more mature and complete player than he was four years ago, and I think the supporting cast is better, and I think they're they're more balanced. I think Casemiro and Fernandinho are going to make a bigger difference in the midfield. I think they can hold down the fort and shield that back four a little bit. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll see who's right. Or if neither of us are right, but that'll that'll wrap up this this little preview. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be you know coming with new episodes um, probably around twice a week or so. 
while the tournament's going on. So definitely stick around, keep listening. Definitely excited to keep talking about it. Thanks for listening.